Last time I fixed a brew is because the potential for a really good product was there. This time I'm trying to fix something that was far too expensive to pour down the drain without trying something. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing, I am Matt, and today I'm going to try to fix another brew. This is the second time I've tried to fix something that didn't quite come out right. The first was a rock beer that was too light on the smoke for style, but too smoked to be a Marzen. So I aged it on some wood and bourbon, and it came out to be a pretty dang good barrel-aged beer. This time, it's a mead. It's a cherry mead that I've made several times before and won several rewards with in the past. I made it the same way as I always do, but for some reason, the fermentation completely stalled this time. I tried to kickstart it again by adding some fresh yeast, some yeast nutrients, and raising the temperature, but nothing. It just would not ferment out and ended up being far too sweet the way it is right now. The thing about this is, it's currently the most expensive mead that I make. There's four pounds of two types of cherries and three and a half pounds of honey for this one gallon. There's a fair bit of money tied up in this mead and it's really difficult to just pour it down the drain when the only issue with it is that it's just too sweet. So I'm gonna try to fix that sweetness by making a small batch of dry mead, then attempt some blending. I've never done this before and I honestly haven't really researched it, but in my mind, for what that's worth, this feels like something worth trying. There's quite a few steps I have to do in both preparing the mead that I have now to get ready to blend and making that blending mead. So let's get started. All right, I am doing the first step towards hopefully fixing this cherry mead to some extent. And the first thing I'm gonna do is stabilize that mead, which sounds, probably sounds strange. It sounds strange to me coming out of the introduction for this episode because the fermentation has definitely halted on this. This thing has not done anything in weeks. Like not only from the initial yeast edition, but from the second yeast edition and these nutrients and trying to kickstart it, nothing ever happened. And it's been probably a month now, maybe more. But since I'm gonna be blending this with some more mead, I don't, I wanna make sure all this yeast is stabilized, this is done. And I'm gonna do the same with the other one. That way, when I get to blending, the final product should be the final project, minus any changes that come with aging. Like that's, that's expected. What I don't wanna happen is, combine two meads that may in some way shape or form still have active yeast in there they're just not working with their particular meads and then start some kind of secondary fermentation after i go through all the blending so i'm going to go ahead and go through the steps of stabilizing this mead even though i'm not entirely sure there's any yeast in there but this should help that from uh, the, the, if there is any yeast in there that can become active later, should prevent that from happening or at least minimize it. So I'm going to add 0.3 grams of potassium metabisulfite and then 0.6 grams of potassium sulfate into that mead. And then it's going to sit in there for probably a week before I do the next step because I still have to make the other mead and that's going to take, uh, even at a half gallon, I'm thinking like three weeks, maybe more to completely ferment out to where I want it, so I'm just gonna let this sit. Then I'm gonna do another step on that cherry mead, which we'll talk about. But right now, first step, make sure I stabilize it, stop those yeast, and kind of start it on its way to prepare to be blended. 
I just added the potassium sorbate and potassium metabisulfate, and I kind of had to do a second take on the airlock when I got to the mead to put it in because the it still has the S airlock on it, so it was way out of balance. I was like, oh, maybe something happened since I moved this. Maybe I kicked the yeast into gear or something, and then I, I looked at it again and went, the balance is the wrong way for fermentation. It's actually, instead of pushing the liquid forward, it was drawing it closer towards the top of the fermenter. So not only is it not fermenting, it's almost like anti-fermenting. I'm sure that's not a thing, but it was, so that, that is like, the, that's got to be the definitive sign that this isn't fermenting anymore. The fact that the balance of the airlock liquid is going the wrong direction. So I, I really have no second thoughts on my plan here at this point. It is, I'm going to try to fix it because there's nothing else that's going to happen with this meat on its own. I'm ready to start the next step towards hopefully fixing this mead. And that is to make some additional mead, some dry mead to blend with this. And I want to make a half gallon. And I don't have any half gallon fermenters. I got a ton of gallons. In fact, most that I use are 1.2 gallons because that way I can leave behind the lease and still have a gallon of mead. So I'm going to have to put together a half gallon fermenter. And what I need is something that is airtight and then a way to put in an airlock or a blow-off tube if I need it. Typically don't with meads, but definitely an airlock. So I have half gallon mason jars, 64 ounce mason jars. I have their lids and I have airlocks. I can't put those together right now. So I'm going to have to fix that. And what I did was buy some grommets that I can put in to the lid and stick the airlock in and we all and all should be good the only problem is i have to draw a hole into one of the lids and uh drilling metal has not been something i've been lucky with but this is i was gonna say barely metal that's not true it's it's entirely metal but it's really super thin metal so hopefully i can get a nice clean hole drilled in this the problem i usually have is that i end up i get a hole to a certain extent and then it just is pushing the metal out you kick like a like a i don't know what you even call it a cone of sorts very wide cone but you get that and then i trim away the metal and then the hole ends up being like five times bigger than i needed to be hopefully this this super super thin metal that these mason lids are mason jar lids are it'll go right through it needs to be a half inch hole it's a considerable hole for a small piece like this so we shall see i'm about to find out i'm going to try I would imagine step drilling is probably the safest bet. Like start with a small hole and work your way up to a half inch. But I'm going to go for broke because I got a little box of lids. I got I got a lot of uh, got a lot of uh, material to play with here. I'm going to start off with a half inch hole right away and see where we go with that. So I'm about to try that and I'll let you know how that goes. All right, I'm back and that first attempt went awful. <laughs> absolutely awful i think i was way too cautious with the drill and i should have just just hit the trigger and let it go because it, it when it finally broke through the metal it caught and it just spun and shredded the metal it's not even uh it's actually closer to a heart shape without the dimple on the top of the heart than it is a hole so this isn't going to work so i'm going to try it again 
with a the get the uh, the drill bit at full hit it at full blast, not mess around, see what that does, and if that doesn't work, try the step metal or the step. I'm sorry, the step uh, size next. I also have a Dremel tool with I don't know a zillion attachments. One way or another, I'm going to get the hole I need on this because that is the only thing I need is a hole that'll take a grommet to put the airlock in to get this fermenter. So I'm about to try my attempt number two. Okay, it took two more tries to get it right, or seemingly get it right. We're going to find out here shortly. I thought it was going to take a lot more, so I didn't record each attempt because I didn't want to have two dozen different failed attempts in a row in an episode. That would probably get old quick, or maybe it'd be funny if they were each <laughs> different uh, catastrophes. But second one was some more of the same in the end. It worked out well at first, where I pulled the trigger a little harder to get the drill spinning faster. It got through the metal, but when it hit the wood underneath that I had it on, that's when it kind of it jolted a little bit and and took another side chunk out of the hole of the of the metal that it already of the hole it already drilled. But the rest of the hole looked good. So I second attempt I got a second piece of wood and I put one on either side so that there was there was a half inch drill. So I probably made about a three quarter, maybe a little more, not quite an inch gap, so that when the drill broke through the metal, it would just hit the it would hit nothing. It would just go through the metal and be done. That was it. This hole looks good. It's nice and flattish. There's a little bit of rounding on the bottom of this, but I think the, the grommets are, are rubber. I think it'll wrap around it okay. I'm going to find out here shortly. And if that didn't work, um, I'm not sure. I might just try to press in these this... Uh, folded metal a little bit to get it to work because I, I can keep drilling and I can keep trying but this this was this other than that the hole looks perfect so I kind of want to see if I can get this to work so I'm going to dig out the grommets they're still in an Amazon bag on the washstand in the hallway and then see if this is the final version for this particular project All right, I am ready to make the mead for this attempted fix and actually forgot to report that the grommet does fit just perfectly. It didn't even really need to mess with it. It's a nice soft rubber, so it kind of just sealed around everything really well. And I tested that by putting just a little bit of water and soap inside here and shook up the, uh, what do you call it, the mason jar with my thumb over the grommet hole and then took it off and there's a big hiss and pop up from the bubbles that wanted to form from that soap. So that was a very rudimentary test, but that's about as airtight as I need it for what I'm doing. Uh, the only thing that surprised me, I don't, it, it wasn't even something I considered. I like using S-locks in my primary fermentation for mead because I can see when they, the pressure equalizes and I know it's time to start testing the gravity then. It usually doesn't mean it's necessarily done. Sometimes it is, not necessarily, but it's, that's when I want to test it. The airlock, S airlocks, do not fit this. The uh, width of the, of the diameter, I guess I should say, of the bottom of those airlocks is too big for this. I can't even force it in there with that pliable rubber. I have to use a three-piece airlock, which is far more tapered at the bottom. It fits nicely and snugly. I was a little worried to be too, it, it wouldn't fit in deep enough to hold up, to hold on to at all, even hold it upright, but it's fine. But that's it's not the worst thing. I still would rather have it be a 
S-lock, but it's not, so I'll deal with it. Better than, better than not having any airlock at all. I would have hate to have gone through all that and ordered. I couldn't order one grommet. I had to order a pack of 20 and then have 19 grommets. That would have been useful. So this is, I can deal with this. It's not a big deal. Um, I'm going to go ahead and reclean said mason jar and lid. Make sure all the uh, residue soap that was in there before is out of there. Sanitize it and then get to the mead making. I'm preparing to make the blending mead and I have everything I need laid out and I'm going to kind of walk through everything for two reasons. One, to explain what I'm doing and two, to kind of sound out my idea and see if I'm missing anything or if I want to do something different. So the intention is I want about a pound and a half of honey and I have four bottles of partial honey. They're, they're varying size. Let's see, this is... I have some clover honey that's a pound and a half each jar, very weird jars. They're, they're just two of those, partly full. I have a two pound of wildflower that's partly full and a one pound that is partly full. And when I mean partly, I, I, it's not even half. So looking at the clover, I think that might be a pound in and of itself. And then the wildflower might not be half a pound, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much all this is altogether is what I'm getting to here. I have some orange blossom. That's like a last resort honey. And then I have some other honeys. <laughs> Those are, now we're getting into more expensive honeys. And I, and I don't want to buy more honey. I didn't mention that. I don't want to buy any more for this because I already have enough money invested into the honey I'm trying to fix. So I'm trying to use what I have that I'm probably not going to use or run up plans for. If I have to use the orange blossom, I'll use it. But that's where I'm going to stop. So if, I, if I'm, I'm trying to think here, a pound and a half is what I want. But if I get like a pound and a quarter, which would be four ounces, right? Yeah, four divided by 16. If I, that closer there, I know I need at least a pound for a half gallon to get to the strength I want because I want it strong to blend. Pound and a quarter might be okay because I'm looking at this and it seems like it might be closer to that. Um, okay, so what I'm thinking now... I was just thinking about the orange blossom honey. Maybe this is, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll make it a pound and a quarter, my goal, a pound and four ounces. And if this is more, the, 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 the honey I'm looking at, the clover and the wild honey, if that's more, okay, and no one I'm trying to say, let's see if I could say it, I'll start again here. If the, all the honey that's in front of me right now, this leftover honey, this clover and wild honey, uh, wildflower honey, if that's a pound and a half, that's great. If it's not, but it's not, but if it's under a pound and a quarter, then I'll add honey blossom to get to a pound and a quarter, but not a pound and a half. I'm not sure if what I'm saying makes sense, but I can see the numbers kind of charted in my head what I want to do. So basically what's going to happen is if I have, I'm going to put all this honey in this jar. If it's, if it reaches a pound and a half, I'll stop pouring. If it's under a pound and a half and over a pound and a quarter, I'm done. If it's under a pound and a quarter, I'm going to add orange blossom honey until it's a pound and a quarter. There we go. That's how I wanted to express this. Okay. I actually like that idea. I'm glad I sounded this out before trying this because now I got a kind of better handle on how to deal with these partials. So I won't really know what I'm going to do until I start pouring this honey in. So I'm going to do that right now. I poured all of the clover and wildflower honey into the jar, and I am at one pound, one ounce, 1.12 ounce, actually. 
one pound, 1.2 ounce. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think I just said. Um, now there is, and I knew this was going to happen and I'm, I'm guesstimating, I'm, I'm guess calculating this. There's, there's honey left in these, these containers, which it sticks to the sides. And these, these wildflower ones are textured. I, I, I do not like these because it really sticks in there. So I'm going to have to put water in here to get it out. There's no way there's more, there's no way there's three ounces in there. Maybe there's two. I doubt that. It's probably closer to an ounce. It's probably in between an ounce and two ounces. So I'm going to put in enough orange blossom to get this to one pound, three ounces. And then I think the rest of that honey in there is going to level that out to 1.4 or uh, one pound, four ounces. I won't really know because there's going to be additional water in with the last bit of that honey, but it's, it's close enough. I, and I think that sh I, I'm trying to get, when I say all these numbers, I'm of course thinking, starting gravity and I wanted at least 10 1.080 I'd like it closer to 1.100 but 1.080 is my goal so hopefully that's enough to get it there I do have some more orange blossom if it doesn't but I'm hoping not to have to use too much of that so that's what I'm going to do I'm going to add the orange blossom now and then I'm going to get some water in these honey jars and get the last of that honey out of these two Well, I put in all the honey and the water and stirred it and took a gravity reading and I'm at 1.120. And that's actually, I mean, that's obviously exceeded my target of 1.10 or 1.080 and then my hope of 1.100. That's actually too much. That's 20 points too high. If this yeast doesn't, even if it does dry, uh, completely ferment i don't think it's going to be dry and i need no more sweetness in this mead at all none so i'm doing something again i've never done before well first i put some more water in. i put in as much as i'm comfortable with with some headspace for the yeast i'm going to measure it i don't think that's enough <laughs> i can't believe i'm going to do this but what i'm going to i think i'm going to do next and we'll find out here shortly i think i'm going to dump some of this and put more water in it to get it down closer to one one zero zero I did not expect that to do that today, so let's see where we are. I'm going to measure it, and then I'll decide and let you know what I did. Well, the first water addition did nothing. The number didn't change. So I did have to take some of the must out. It's That's what the mixture is before it's fermented. And I did take more out than I expected. I wasn't really measuring it because I was going for a specific number. So my volumes are – my final volume is always going to be a half gallon – the rest didn't matter. So um, I took out, took me four attempts and I took out a lot more than I thought I was going to have to, to get it down to just over 1095. It's about 1096 and a half roughly. And that's, 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 I feel better with that. I feel like this is going to dry out now, but that was surprising, very surprising. So, and I kind of plan to do some test honeys in these half gallon mason jars in the future and i've been planning around getting two pounds of each one i'm not entirely sure that's necessary now um that's another that's another something to think about for later so now i'm ready to finish i'm going to add the uh yeast uh nutrient first that's gonna be one gram of fermato i'm gonna mix that in then i'm gonna add about a third of a pack of lavin 71b and then let it do its thing 
All right, the blending mead is on its way. We are just waiting for nature to do its thing. So not a whole lot to talk about that was left from last recording. I did put in one gram of fermé dough. I, I dumped it in dry and mixed it, which is, it's it, that's such a pain. It clumps up so bad, so easily. I usually, if I have more than a gram, I will mix it with some hot water so it'll loosen up easier and dump in. Kind of wish I did this time because it kept sticking to the stirring uh, not a spoon, but not a spatula. I don't even know what you call it. The little paddle I used to stir kept sticking to it, trying to get it off. And then after that, I put in a half pack of yeast, roughly, and that's Lavlin 71B. I, I did it by feel. Felt like it was half empty, which is plenty. That's that's probably more than, way more than you actually need for a half gallon. But this way, it'll definitely, uh, as the fog goes well, definitely dry this meat out. So I'm going to make a couple notes just so I know that when this is done, when the numbers reach zero from the calculations from the bricks to the gravity numbers and that's really all i need to know about this one because i'm not planning and i'm not well not even planning i'm just i won't be adding any tannins i won't be adding any acids to this mead i may in the final blend but this mead's going in hopefully bone dry and fix that other mead uh, i'm not going to know that for several weeks but for you it may just be a few more recordings until you find out It's the same day as making that blending mead and I'm at my computer because a thought occurred to me uh, while I was thinking about how important it is for this mead to get as dry as it can or at least how, how much uh, more beneficial I think it will be. And in that I realized I probably should have done a staggered nutrient schedule to hedge my bets in a sense to get it dry. So I went to meadmaderight.com, looked up their Tazna 3.0 yeast. Uh, nutrient schedule calculator and I put in my numbers and it does say I need two grams of yeast nutrients which is good because I only put one in so I think I'm going to go ahead and, and add that second gram over the next three days normally it'd be a four-day schedule the day that you pitch the yeast you add go firm I didn't add go firm I added the yeast so I'm going to count this as day one I'm going to put in a little more than a third well a third of it I was going to say like a little more than 0.3 grams. I might even just do 0.4. A little more shouldn't hurt. But I probably do 0.4 grams tomorrow, the day after, and then in another, what would that leave me? Five days to get to the end of the week. Maybe like four days since it's such a small batch. And hopefully that'll help me get this as dry as it possibly can be. So I think I'm going to go ahead and do that. Since this is all an experiment anyway, might as well just go for broke and try to get this the way I'm hoping it will be and hopefully help the other mead. I'm on to my next step of trying to salvage this cherry mead and that is to fine it, which probably sounds odd because that is typically, if not exclusively, a final step before bottling. And we're nowhere near the final step on this, but there's a reason I'm going to try it. That's because... As I mentioned in the earlier recordings, I did add some more yeast and yeast nutrients to this mead to try to re-kick fermentation and nothing really happened. There's chances are, even though that didn't quite do anything fermentation-wise, there still may be some suspended yeast and yeast nutrients inside that mead. So the findings, I'm not necessarily using it to clear it, although it probably will clear it. I'm using it to drop those solids to the bottom of this fermenter 
And that way, they're not in suspension of the mead that I want to blend and try to save. So, gonna give that a shot. Don't know if it's gonna work, but I'm gonna use my favorite clearing agent for meads, and that's super clear, and it's a two-step process. So, the first process is uh, I put it in, stir it around a little bit, and let it sit for at least an hour before putting the second in. So, that's where I am at. I'm about to do another mead with it that is perfectly fine it just needs to be cleared so since i'm already mixing up all the chemicals for this or the enzymes or whatever you want to call them to clear these out might as well get them both done so i'm going to put the first step in and then come back probably in like it says an hour to 24 hours i'll probably give it like two three hours probably after lunch it's in the morning and do the second step the meat is fine the cherry one and the uh, the one i was doing at the same time since i was had that one ready um the second half of the process is done i should say i did the first half last recording it's been four hours maybe four and a half hours so definitely past that one hour mark and not as far as the 24 hour mark something that did catch my eye on the back of the package of the second half of the uh finding agent you put in it said to mix that second i always look at the back of it because i never remember which one goes first and I saw it say, mixed with one ounce of warm water, which sounded familiar. I was like, okay, I remember doing that. But I also clearly remember not doing that, at least my last two, maybe three meads, maybe more. And I guess it's not that big a deal because they're fine. They taste good. They cleared out just fine. There's no weird, unexplained flavor. And it was also weird that it's one ounce of water and this packet's like four ounces. So I was like, uh, it's not that big of a dilution. It's a one to four ratio. It's one fifth of the, of the whole um, uh, agent, uh, clearing agent you're putting in for the second half. So is it that big a deal? But I guess it's, well, I can tell you, I guess it's a big deal because I've had several meads where I forgot to do that and they're fine. But I guess it's always best to follow manufacturer's directions I guess I say that, I guess as well, because I draw my dry packets. Most of them say rehydrate, and I never do, and I don't have a problem. So, not sure. I do know that I did it this time. So, we'll see. With that in mind, I'll kind of keep an eye on that one mead that is not what I'm messing with and trying to fix in this. And see if that has any longer or any kind of issues clearing than without it, now that I have that in mind. But... We'll see. I think it's fine. I think all the ones I did are fine, and this one is fine. And while I was at it, it's a week into the fermenting of the, uh, oh, I was going to say mixer, not mixer. What is it? Um, blending meat. My gosh, couldn't think of the word. And so it was time to put in the last of the yeast nutrients, which I did. And I expect this thing to ferment for another week, maybe two. I'm not sure. It's half the amount of uh, uh volume to ferment but i still think it's going to take at least a week so i'll be keeping an eye on eye on that and i'll probably be back to discuss that actually on the next step because i think that's about all i have left to wait for this blending mead is probably done and my first indication was the zero activity in the airlock now this is a three-piece airlock it's much easier to tell that it's close or approaching being done with an S airlock because the levels even out. But on this one, there's no sign of any more gas coming out. In fact, to try to give a description of what it is, there's a it's a round cylinder with a post that the gas comes out of. And on top of the post is this bell-shaped 
a piece that was on top of it, and that releases as that floats up, it'll release the gas into the sanitization liquid or whatever you put it in there, either a neutral spirit or sanitization liquid. In this case, it's sanitization liquid or sanitizing liquid, or I guess both are right. I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> that that bell shape is usually uh, even when there's like down to the lowest activity, it's a little skewed because the gas has pushed has pushed it up a little bit. This has been sitting on that post level for quite a few days now. So I don't think any more gas has come out. If it has, it's been like one bubble ever, so slow every, I don't even know what, 24 hours or however long it'd be between me looking at it, but I don't even think that's happened. And once I saw that, I went ahead and measured it. It is quite close to done, if not done. Its original gravity was 1095. Now it's at 993 which is dry, which is exactly what I wanted this to be. It could go, to, I've seen just mead and uh, honey and water and yeast go to 980 or somewhere 98 something in a low number after that. I'm not going to necessarily wait for that. I, I tasted it. It is dry again. That also is what I wanted. So, and it's very clean actually <laughs> for a dry mead. It's very clean. It almost, if I don't blend it all, and have enough for three small bottles. I might enter as a dry mead, but I, I that's putting a cart way before the horse. So what I'm going to do is rack this on top of um, the racket and stabilize it just to make sure it's done. And then I'll get the blending. But I'm not going to do that today because I got a few other things to get done brewing and, and mead-wise. There's another mead I'm currently taking care of for that needs, some, needs something done now. So maybe in a day or two, maybe even three, I'll rack it. And maybe it will have dropped a little more, but... Right now, I like where it is. If it goes drier, that's even better, but I'm happy with where it's at now, so I am going to go ahead and move forward on this Cherry Mead Fix project. The blending mead has now been racked into another half-gallon mason jar and put stabilizers in as well. That was actually the main point of racking it. Well, it was, it was twofold. It was to get it stabilized and to get off the lease. Even though the siphon kind of slipped at the very end and I took a big chunk of lease, well, not chunk, but a, a large amount of lease along with it, but not there was far more left behind than brought in. So it's not at all clear. And that's fine because I'll probably be clearing everything again anyway after I do some mixing and stirring and balancing when I start blending these, assuming everything goes okay. But taste-wise, as far as the actual meat itself, it's a pretty fair dry meat. I kind of like it. Um, maybe I'd put a little more honey in it to get it closer to like one point something, like 1.002 or 3, so it's not so dry, so abruptly dry. But as it is, it's actually not bad. I was surprised because I usually don't like dry any kind of uh, alcohol beverages, but this is okay. I don't know that I drink much of it other than the sample that I had, but not actually not bad. I kind of consider making it again, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. This is far from over, so by the time I'm done all this, I might not want to ever do something like this again, but that's where we're at, and I think I'll probably, actually, I say it's far from over, I'll probably start blending next, which I've had a couple ideas how I'm going to do that, and I haven't decided exactly which way to go. Uh, yeah, I was going to start describing them, but I don't know. I really don't think I'll know until I get to that point, which could be next. Okay, the time has finally come to 
blend these two meads together and see if I can save this cherry mead. It's been, I don't even know how long at this point. I got so behind on these side projects with the the last competition for Florida uh, beer competition circuit is fast approaching. And I shifted everything and all my attention and all my efforts to the beer. And now that's behind, well, the competition is behind me, but the beer is all done, all packaged. So now I know <laughs> these meads are ready to be blended. Hopefully it's not too late. My only concern would be that the cherry mead has started to turn a little vinegary with the amount of headspace that was on there, but I did purge it with CO2. So I'm going to find out. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to rack that cherry mead out of the one gallon jug into a pitcher, taste it, make sure it hasn't gone off. I know it's going to be sweet. In fact, I need to get my glass here ready. There we go. Glass in hand. I'm going to taste that. And if, as long as it hasn't gone off or gone bad, I will continue. And then I'm going to rack in uh, about half of the half gallon of the dry mead, stir it together and see what we got and just go from there. But I'll talk more about that as we go. So right now i got to get this cherry mead into a pitcher, taste it, make sure it's okay. Okay, I got a sample of just the cherry mead, and it is a shame that this didn't turn out because it's a gorgeous color. It is just a red, dark red with garnet highlights and just a perfect color and very clear since it's been so long since I touched it. But two things I can tell on the smell, on the aroma, I guess is a better way to say it. First, I can tell it did not vinegar. It didn't uh, spoil. And I can still smell how sweet it is, but I'm going to taste it as well. Yeah, it's still very sweet. It's actually a little less shockingly sweet, maybe because I know how sweet it is, but it's still very sweet, and it definitely has not spoiled, so that's good. So I am now going to start racking in some of that dry meat. I think I'm going to put in about half of that half gallon, which would be, I guess, a quarter gallon of it, and stir it up a little bit and see how it tastes. I really am just going to do this... Uh, I, I'm flying blind and I'm going by taste alone. I, I was getting out my refractometer and calculator and getting ready to measure stuff, but there's really no point because the numbers are going to be so all over the place with all the stuff I've done with these two meads that I'm not sure even blending them is going to give me an accurate gravity number. So I'm strictly going by taste on this. So a, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm going to start right now and report back what the first part of the blend came, uh, comes out like. I have half of that dry mead blended into the cherry mead. So let's take a closer everything at this. Look, smell, taste. The color does seem to have lightened up a bit, just a bit, but it was very dark to begin with. It's more of that kind of garnet ruby color on its own instead of being completely dark. It still has those garnet highlights, which are really nice. Let's see the aroma. The aroma is... Got a lot more booziness to it than it had before. That might be the dry mead characteristic. Maybe a little honey, a little cherry, but not as sweet as it was before. It's all like very sweet cherry forward. All right, let's go in for a taste. Ooh, that's that's a lot different. That's a lot. It's a lot nicer, actually. Let me taste it again. I'm pretty surprised. It really take that, took that cherry sweetness down. I like it, but it probably could use a little more. 
In fact, let's see, I got at least a quarter gallon. I'm starting to get an idea here. I'm not sure if I want to talk about it yet or not. Let me see if I can even, let me look in my supply counter. Oh yeah, I can, I can try this idea if I decide to do it. You might have kind of gotten a clue of what I'm thinking now. All right, I am going to reckon the rest of this dry mead. And except for the sediment, which is not that much. So I'm going to put that in, taste this, and then decide slash discuss what I'm thinking here. Okay, I put in the rest of the dry mead. And aroma-wise, we've got the cherry again, a little more booziness, color. Uh, I guess it's a little lighter. Yeah, actually, it is actually, yeah, yeah, it's, it's noticeably lighter, actually. Back to the aroma. Cherry is a dominant thing. There's something missing. I'm gonna guess it's missing the taste too. Oh, that's definitely, yeah. Oh, that's definitely dried it out. Mm. And actually a little more than I expected, but you may have just heard me open my the cabinet door to where I keep my honey. The one thing that was missing in all those tastings, even before blending was there was little or actually there was no honey character so i've now tried to overdo it over dry this over blend this so i can add some honey to give it honey character and bring that sweetness level back up i didn't want to do that obviously when it's already too sweet but now that it's dry it's actually a little too dry let me taste it again make sure it's just not palate shock that's actually yeah that's a little too dry. I think if I were to do this again, I would have put in just half of that second edition, like three quarters of the half gallon. I don't even know what that math is. So <laughs> like, is that, that's three quarts, maybe? I'm not sure. Anyway, what I'm going to do is back sweeten with a little bit of honey at a time here, some orange blossom honey, and try to bring the sweetness back up, bring all the rest of the fruit characters in it, and taper the dryness and hopefully add some honey character because that is completely missing. That I kind of knew that from the first tasting of this portion of fixing the mead. So I'm gonna try that. And that's, I think the last thing I'm gonna try to save this mead, I will say, if nothing else, it's a very drinkable mead now. It's actually, even with the, the dryness way it is right now, this is actually a good meal mead. Like before it was way too sweet, even too sweet for a, a dessert mead and I'll, if I'm gonna have just mead by itself no food or anything I liked it I'd like it sweeter than it is now but I could have this with a meal although I think the percentage on this is insane at this point so I might I would have to have it with a meal is what I, I guess I should say but I'm gonna try to get this to a, a, a like a drinking mead an evening mead a sipping mead just a a standalone enjoy it by itself mead by adding this honey so I'm gonna try that right now and we're gonna see what we get okay I think this is done at least the the honey edition part I did not record all the steps because I thought it was gonna take more than it did I, I added two editions of honey first one was I don't know how much first one was the most I added Second was just a touch after that. I know these are not good measurements, but it's, it's all to taste. After the first taste, it was really close to what I wanted, almost to the point where I was like, I don't want to push it by accident and make it too sweet. So I might not do it, but I was like, you know what? I think I can put in just enough honey to get it to that point I want and it not be too sweet. And that's what I'm about to find out. So 
right off the bat, color is the same. That the amount that is so small that the uh, capacity, I guess, or the volume. That's where the volume did not really increase all that much. And let's go for aroma. Oh, that is, that's so different than it was the past couple of tastings. Oh, that is so nice. Cherry, honey, and booze with a lot of complexity in there. There's a sweet spiciness to it, too, that is playing around with all this. I could go on a lot more on that. I might in the final tasting. That's much better. That's actually better than it was before that little splash of honey at the end. All right, now I'm going for taste. Definitely getting the cherry still. It's uh, definitely a heavy, or uh, I should say high ABV. What about the honey? Let's see. I taste it again now that my palate's adjusted. I'd say I'm getting honey. I'm definitely getting the effects of the orange blossom honey. I'm getting a little more of a, uh, a, a kind of a brightness to this, which comes with that honey. Uh, the acidic component, although it's not directly... You wouldn't, you wouldn't taste the honey and call it acidic, but there is a small acidic quality to it. I think that's the brightness. There is a little bit of um, uh, boozy flavor on it. It is very warm. It's room temperature. I've not chilled any of this. I would like to chill this and try it. I do think it finishes a little flabby. I don't know if I'm going to mess with tannins on this at all. Let me taste it again. It, the aftertaste is flabby. The rest of it, the finish and everything else is not. Since I'm already this far into it, I almost feel like adding a quarter teaspoon of wine tannins is not the worst idea. You know what? What the hell? I'm going to get some wine tannins out. I'm going to add a little bit, see if I can perk up the finish on this, the flabbiness. But otherwise, it's ready to be done. If nothing else, it's definitely a drinkable mead. But let's see if I can get something a little, uh, little bit more oomph on the finish with some tannins. I'll be right back and let you know how this went. All right, this is definitely going to be the official end of the blending, mainly because there was a little, when I put the honey away, waiting for everything to kind of blend and meld together, a little bit of honey dripped on my finger. I licked it off and I picked up the end of the spoon to stir the mead and realized if I let go of the spoon I'm using to stir, it was going to, where I was touching it with my licked finger was going to drop into the liquid and very likely contaminate the mead. And I don't feel like going through everything to sanitize the spoon. So this is officially done. I think that was actually a sign from the Norse gods. Is that even right? I don't really know. From the mead gods telling me to be done. So I did end up putting two editions of wine tannins in it. Probably about a quarter spoon altogether. I kind of went a little uh, light-handed at first and doubled that in the second one. And the, the tannins are going to grow a little bit as this mead sits, but not a whole lot because this is powder tannin. They don't fully dissolve. It's like little tiny, almost not quite microscopic, but I guess macroscopic pieces of wood that are aging in there, but it doesn't extract a whole lot more than what I'm going to taste now, but it will be a little bit more. So it should get an idea of what this tastes like. And then when I end up finding this again with super clear, it's all those particles are going to drop out to the bottom but let's see what we got 
So color-wise, I forgot to mention, same color. Well, the, no, nothing's really going to change with color and the aroma. So color is fine. Rome actually smells really good. Actually, I think it smells better than it did before. I don't know how. That is honey cherry. That is a, that is a cherry. That is a sweet, dark cherry covered in honey. Is exactly what that smells like. That's pretty amazing. That's really good. Taste-wise, let's see what we got. Still tastes relatively the same. The finish has picked up a little bit. I wouldn't call it flabby. I might call it thin, but not flabby, which is nice. It's, it's, it's better. That's better. And I think with the tannins in there for a week, it might get to just approaching medium. I don't think it'll ever get higher than that. And I don't want to mess any more with this, regardless of the fact of having to resanitize everything. I just don't want to mess any more with it. But it's definitely picked up. It's not flabby, which is good it is a little thin i'd rather have it thin than watery watery stands out like a sore thumb thin just kind of like it's there let me taste it again i have to actually wait like a good second or two for the aftertaste to set in until i call it thin if i was judging this off the cuff i'd probably say it was closer to medium so I think this will be probably closer to medium by the time, like I said, by the time I bottle this, by aging a little bit. Otherwise, though, I am very happy with this mead. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with it. And I'll discuss that in the wrap-up because I am going to, well, I know I'm going to bottle it. And then I'm going to taste it in the final um, recording of this. I don't know what I'm going to do after that. Maybe I'll decide when I get to that point. But right now, I've got to get this racked into another one-gallon jug. So I can let it sit for about 48 hours, then I'll add some super clear. Maybe I should add some, well, I shouldn't, no, I put stabilizers in both meads. There, there can't be any yeast left. I'm not gonna bother with that. So I'm going to, well, I say that, and I feel like I should. Maybe I will, just as a precaution. No, I'm not gonna bother with that. I don't have all the stuff set up for it. I'm going to go ahead and put this in the one gallon jug. If I see any activity in the airlock, then I'll stabilize it but I'm gonna let it sit. I, my plan is 48 hours, which means I'll probably sit for a week and then from there, super clear it for at least a week and bottle it and then come back and decide what the final destination of this beer, or not beer, what this mead will be. Everything's done with the mead. It's been probably another month or at least a better part of the month since the last recording that we just heard and I've got a sample here right now in front of me. I chilled a bottle. I poured some in, put the bottle back in the fridge because I prefer almost every beverage I have cold, not just mead and beer and everything. It's like a cold drink. It's probably, I guess, a coffee. But that's another, that's a totally another discussion. Didn't mean to even get down that road. But let's check out what we have here now. So aroma still cherry forward, but a little bit of honey coming out of it. That boozy smell is not there when I am smelling it now. And I don't know if that's aged out already in a month. I doubt that. I think the cold might be tapering it or tempering it might be a better word. It might be uh, keeping it at bay, as it were. But otherwise, it smells in a little bit of hint of cinnamon in there. But cherry, honey, the first two things, and some cinnamon, the more I swirl it around in the glass. But let's go for the taste, because that was... The biggest problem with this mead from the get-go. Okay, that's so much better than it was before. It's a little um, 
still a little hot. The the alcohol I can feel. It's not burning and completely unpleasant. Um, it's not even unpleasant. It's it's not an unpleasant amount of burning, but it's definitely a presence that's there that you might not expect from the aroma. But I know this this mead <laughs> pretty well at this point, and knew it was going to be hot, so I was prepared. But cherry on the tongue, uh, honey kind of lingers. There is still a little bit of. I don't know what, a little bit of a underwhelming aftertaste to it, feeling body-wise, not not the flavor. And I think that uh, goes back to the uh, tannin problem, the, the mouthfeel that I tried to work on at the very last minute of that, the last day of working with this me, but didn't quite get. But it's not a deal breaker at all. Let me take another taste and see what we got. Cherry, honey. That's what I expect. There's still that little bit of uh, acidic bite to it. I think that's from the under un- under attenuated original version of this. Or maybe even the, the dry mead, actually. Or maybe a little bit of both. I'm not quite sure where that comes from. Actually, I take it back. It's probably more from the dry mead. But definitely more pleasant than it could have been or was before, I should say. Um, I think it's actually a little cold to be tasting, even though I just went on that little tirade about liking cold drinks. This might actually be a little too cold. I think a few degrees warmer would bring out a little more expression of everything on this. I just tried to warm it up my hands a little bit to test that theory. It's a little richer, not much. The the, the, um, aftertaste is better, though. A lot less uh, thin. It was bordering on... I remember being very flabby before... And now a month later, it's still, it's leaning towards flabby and thin. I was hoping it would kind of round out to closer to medium with uh, sitting with the tannin sitting in it, which did drop out with the super clear, but unfortunately that did not happen. So let's get to the point of the entire exercise of this episode. Now, for me, it's been about six months, a little short of six months to get to this point. For you, you've just heard everything, but to recap real quick to, to get to my point here. So this mead... Definitely, it's a very expensive mead that under-attenuated. I didn't want to pour it out. So to try to save it, could I blend it with a drier mead, a completely as dry as I could probably possibly make it mead, and find a middle ground there? Mostly, yes. It took a little bit of finagling with some additional honey and then a little bit of wine tannins, which in the end, I wish I'd put more in. In fact, I might even had gone and put some black tea in if I had to do this again. But... When all said and done, this went from a mead that was going to go down the drain that I very <laughs> apprehensively or just I didn't even want to put this mead down the drain because of how much money and time I put into mainly the money. Now it's drinkable. Could it win an award? I don't know. Maybe, probably in a if it was going to, it'd be in a beer competition. It wouldn't in a straight up mead competition because going against nothing but meads, it would. It would probably not stand up, but if it went into a a beer, meat, and cider competition where things are spread out, it might have a chance. I may try it. We'll see. Competition season is all but over now. There's one left, and I already have the beers. I'm going to enter into that. So I'll taste this again because I have the bottles. I have plenty of bottles. I'll taste this again when the new year starts, and maybe, maybe aging will bring even more depth of flavor to this, more complexity, and something even... uh, more worth uh, sharing than is right now. But my point is, as it is with all that work, none of that work had gone in vain because this is a mead I would definitely drink. If I'm the only one that's going to end up drinking this mead, that is fine with me. This is a nice bottle of mead to have 
on an evening after it's all said and done when I'm winding down. It's not, it's got the right amount of sweetness. It's not unbalanced. It's nothing wrong. There's no, it's, there's no, uh, what would you say, off flavor to it. No infection, no oxidization, no, no, no sherry notes, which will also be interesting to taste in the bottles in a, in a few, another, say, six months from now because of all the transferring this did back and forth. But right now, as it is, I could finish all this myself, not in one, not in one sitting, but all this myself, which kept me from dumping that down the drain and kept me from blending the two meads, now a mead and a half, a gallon and a half worth of mead all together when all is said and done, at least volume-wise, uh, keep that that all that from going down the drain. So, yes, I think this was fixed. Is it... Perfect, no. Um, wish there was more body to it. Wish there was more tannins to it. I would, at the point now, I'm just, I gave it another um, check of the aroma. I'd like a little, even a little more honey than is in it now, but that could come out in time. But right now as it is, definitely drinkable, could be better, but I saved this mead from going down the drain, which would have been unfortunate considering how much money went into the amount of fruit that went into that. Um, long story short, I uh, it was... Three pounds of frozen cherries and then another pound of dried cherries. And the dried cherries are, well, I was going to say that was a killer, but per pound it is a lot more. But the three pounds of cherries, frozen cherries alone were super expensive. Those, The cherries, both the cherries together probably cost as much as a traditional mead for me to make. So that's one of the reasons I didn't want to put it down the drain. Plus it had the honey and everything else, so roughly double the price of a traditional mead. So that that's that's why I went to all this effort to see if I could fix it. Plus, I wanted to see if I could fix it. I've not done blending. Blending is a huge part of very complex drinks, not just meads, but beers as well. Whiskies, I'm sure wines, from what I understand. So it's not something I've done before, and I've now dipped my toe into it. And I know you can have some success with it, I'm sure, with some more practice and more knowledge and um, just some more get just just hands-on experience with it i could probably get a another small set of skill sets with my in my alcohol making zymergy hobby that uh, under my belt i'm not sure that sentence came out right but i think you know what i mean anyway so that's it this has been another strange episode but one that I really wanted to, a, at least a project I wanted to take on and kind of document, not only for my own knowledge, but for anyone else that's wondering maybe what they can do with something with a, a, a product, a mead in particular in this case, that didn't come out quite the way they wanted and maybe because of the same reason mine didn't, a stalled fermentation or what have you. So, yeah, that, that's a success. I think it could be an even better success, but a success nonetheless because... None of this mead has made its way down the drain. And that was not only the goal, but also a really good feeling to be able to save this. So that's it for this episode. I have a lot more coming now. I, this goes in ebbs and flows, mainly because I end up brewing in <laughs> different, what you say, batches or different uh, time, not time frames. I'm not sure what the words I'm looking for. Different in spurts, but much larger than that. There's probably a term for it that I'm missing. And the next round of brewing, I just did a bunch for the last competition this season, and I have recordings for most of those. I think all but one of the beers. So, because one's a repeat that I've already done an episode on. In fact, that's the uh, smoked hop amber ale. I'm entering that again. 
So I got at least three coming right behind this. And then I'm going to get into some fun brewing. Competition season's over, and I can finally brew for fun. I can brew what I want to drink, what I want to share, and stuff I want to try. And I can't wait for that, including the return of a hot pepper beer, but a new version. Not Murder Hornet. This is going to be something different. But that is going to be coming in the next batch or spurt, if you will, of my brewing. So let me say, of course, thank you for listening. And I will see you in that next episode.